on Power Talk AM 1460 and FM 101.1, streaming worldwide on iHeartRadio. Jan Price talks to the movers and shakers in the film business. The Jan Price Show. You're listening to The Jan Price Show, and today my guests are co-directors Carrie Murnian and Jonathan Malott, and we're talking about their brand-new movie, Becky. And I just have to tell you, this movie had me sitting on the edge of my seat (laughs) the whole time. It was so well done and so good, and I can't wait to talk to you about it. Uh, Just so our listeners have an idea about the the plot line of Becky, uh, would one of either Carrie or Jonathan, you want to give us a little um, idea of what this movie is about? Sure. We like to, um, the, the, we give an elevator pitch, which is, you know, the shortest way to describe a movie, usually in one sentence. And ours is, uh, ultra violent home alone with a 13 year old girl protagonist. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Short and, perfect. Short and sweet. Short and sweet, and you know what? You do not need to say more than that because yeah. if you get into it, uh, you're gonna, you know, ruin the, the film. Uh, it's, it's just, it is, it's exactly that. And I, I just have to tell you, I uh, really, Lulu Wilson, who plays the lead character of Becky, what a find she is. Tell us a little bit about her because she's, she's the movie. I mean, although you've got the great Kevin James playing against type and, uh, Joel McHale, who is also quite good in this film, but Lulu Wilson, um, I mean, I have to tell you, there were times I just literally, I had, I, I couldn't watch the screen. I just had to cover my eyes <laughs> on several <laughs> occasions. So I can't imagine as a, let's see, 13, 14 years old, um, playing this character. So tell us a little bit about her and how you um, found her to portray this role. Yeah, definitely. That's a good way to describe what we were trying to do. We wanted you to uh, keep you glued to your seat watching the film, but then cover your eyes for, for half the movie because there's, <laughs> because there's so much intensity and uh, violence and gore that, yeah, you, you need to need to hide a little. Um, in terms of Lulu, yeah, she was, um, she was amazing, and we were so lucky that really right from the start, I think she was on board, and we had been big fans of hers for a while. She's been a child actor, um, you know, for a while. She's a kid, so she's really only been in the industry for a few years, but um, even when she was much younger, she did a movie, the sequel to Ouija, um, the Ouija board uh, horror movie, and um, it was actually really, really just amazing on, on many levels. The the movie was really well done. I think uh, Mike Flanagan directed it, who's gone on to do um, movies like House, or shows like The Haunting of Hill House, which Lulu was also in, and um, she was just terrifying at such a young age in that movie. So we started following her career um, and she was in a, a few other films that was just really exciting to watch her progress as a, an actor. Um, and then, yeah, she was in a HBO show called Sharp Objects. So if you kind of put all these horror movies together, you put shows like Sharp Objects and The Haunting of Hill House, which are not only terrifying movies in a kind of typical genre horror sense, they're also these kind of very psychologically dark, mature, sophisticated um, horror movies. You know, they really dive deep into, in our minds, things that are much more terrifying than gore or violence. Um, you know, their psychological violence and the repercussions of that violence. And she was starring in these at such a young age and kind of understanding them and bringing this level of maturity that is well beyond my years. And I'm much older than her. 
So the minute we knew we were going to really go into production on this film, we got her on board and we never looked back. We were just uh, so lucky to have her. Oh, she she really is very, very good. I wonder why um, she keeps getting attracted to these kind of roles, though, because just from her, her resume, um, it sounds like she's been gravitating towards more of this genre. Um, Jonathan, why do you think she's attracted to these kinds of roles and does them so well? Yeah, you know what? A, a story that we love to tell is that, that we just hanging out, talking to her, we're asking questions like, what's your favorite movie that you've seen lately? Or, you know, what is one of your favorite movies? And this was uh, you know, when we were in pro- starting production last summer. And she says, uh, Midsommar, if that's the correct pronunciation oh, of yeah, um, yeah, yeah. the Ari, Ari Aster film, which is, you know, right. just <laughs> terribly violent, terribly horrific in many ways. And, you know, this is a, a 13-year-old girl who has just seen this very hard-rated R movie, and she just loved it, and she loves the, all aspects of it, and um, not, not afraid and not uh, in any way turned off. So I think that just goes to show you that she she's a... Uh, She's a little rebel for real. <laughs> and I think, I think, I think, I think it comes from like, you know, kids her age are usually probably offered like cute kids roles, like, you know, be cute and do this and that. And I think you know, for her, she doesn't want to do that. And so the way that she's been able to explore something that's, that's different and deeper than those kind of roles is in each kind of genre film. And so she's kind of gotten in on it. And I think, she has she is kind of mature beyond her years, and she can kind of see that she doesn't want to be stuck doing the cute kid roles, and so this is her chance to do that. And after these kind of roles, I mean, and even in Becky, Becky's kind of like this weird mix of horror, thriller, and action. Like she does a lot of her own stunts in this. So now from this movie, she can kind of go on and do whatever she wants. Like she can do, she could be an action hero. You know, she could kind of do more thriller roles. She could be more horror things. So I think. She's she kind of like doing those types of um, different sort of roles for her for kids her age. Yeah, she's she's uh, mature beyond her her years for sure. I did happen to see her this year at the Sundance Film Festival in the the Glorious, where mm-hmm. she uh, plays the young Gloria Steinem, and she yes. plays it opposite Alicia Vikander, who I adore, and Julianne Moore. I love mm-hmm. both of them, um, and that was different, obviously, because she's not you know, <laughs> but. Mm-hmm. And she got to uh, it, it spread her wings uh, in a different way in that particular movie, which will hopefully be coming out this fall. It's a really wonderful film, and and it would be great to see her in something for for the audiences uh, to see her in something uh, a little different than than the kind of roles that she's been choosing. So what a find though, because she carries this film, and then you bring in the wonderful who knew uh, Kevin James mm-hmm. playing way against type and. He is excellent in this movie. Tell us a little bit how you attracted him to the film and, and what made you decide to uh, have him play this very uh, evil character. Neither one can yeah. take these questions, by the way. Just jump in. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we, we've obviously were fans of Kevin for much different roles. You know, he's never done anything remotely close to this uh, we we even talk about other other comedic actors like Adam Sandler or even Joel McHale, um, who've all done other roles before they you know kind of took turns. You know, like Adam Sandler is uh, getting a lot of praise for Uncut Gems, but he had right. done Punch Drunk Love and he had done other movies that were Funny you know people. not so yeah 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 just not so just straight comedic. So um, 
with Kevin, it was like a real, real kind of leap and a different, different thing for him. But, um, it was a roundabout way with him because we had, uh, cast Simon Pegg and we were talking to Simon Pegg and we're in full pre-production with him. And then he had a scheduling conflict and he just had to leave uh, at a real short notice. And we had been talking to Kevin James about playing the role of the father. So when Simon had to take off, Kevin <laughs> said, hey, you know, I've been reading the script and I really think it might be cool if I played that role. And because we were already looking at kind of playing against type for that character, you know, obviously Simon Pegg is not for playing bad guys either. We really wanted no. to subvert the idea of who we were casting there. Um, so the minute he, he brought that up, we were very excited and, um, it just kind of steamrolled from there. Well, you know, the more we talked to him, the more on board with how we saw that character being developed and, um, the tone of the character and not going really far overboard. Um, with, you know, he has these really, um, insane, uh, hateful Nazi ideal ideologies, but in a way he doesn't spout them too dramatically. He just kind of, he, he says it in the typical cult fashion, a cult leader who is kind of charismatic and tries to win over people with his, uh, maybe more calm um, approach to delivering his ideas. But once you start hearing the content of the ideas and how twisted they are, it, it really just gets more and more scary because he is de delivering them in a way that maybe your drinking buddy or uh, a neighbor might. Yes, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> Your whole cast is really good. The supporting characters, of course, Joel McHale um, is always, I, I just love him anyhow, but he, you know, he plays the father in this particular film. And he's not, he's, I hate to say it, he's not um, screened that, that much, but um, he brings that warmth and caring. Uh, to the character for sure and but uh, the whole supporting cast uh, is is excellent how do you two co-direct who directs what and when and how I mean, I'm always curious about how people uh, how directors who two directors directing the same film how they work how, how do you two work and again you can both jump in and give me both your perspectives on how you like to work together <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we, we've been together for a really long time. So we've evolved our process along the way. Um, the, the, sh the beginning started with us animating together and animation co-directing is very common, um, much more common than co-directors with live action. Um, but that's, we, we got our start working together in animation and doing things like storyboarding and pre-planning. Uh, to the extreme because you have to do that with um, animation. Um, but then we started getting more and more involved with live action. And so that co-directing aspect kind of kept just was always the way we work. So we kept doing that. Um, but as the, as we've gotten on, this is our third feature film. Now we've evolved it to the point where we've realized it's easier on set to have, a point person, someone that everybody can turn to, which is traditionally one director and ask questions and listen to, you know, from the cast to key keys in the crew, like the cinematographer, the fashion designer or the, or, or the um, production design. Um, there's a lot of quick, the need for quick answers on set. And it, we found that sometimes when we were both on set as the point person, you could get conflicting answers, you know, because sometimes you just have to make a spur of the moment decision. Um, but so what we've done is we've evolved it to the point where one of us is the lead on set that day um, or per project. 
and um, that person will be kind of in the thick of the the production with right next to the actors uh, with the cinematographer and right there to really you know feel out the scene and and give notes back um, where the other person is sitting back at the monitor in video village and we both wear uh, a contact in one ear which allows us to communicate back and forth um, and we've just kind of got to the point where it to us it's second nature and it feels great because you have someone you trust who knows all the pre-planning all the storyboards all the ideas and thoughts that go into the, the scene themes and they can sit back look at the big monitor make sure the cinematography is exactly the way we want it there's nothing wrong in the scene and just kind of sit back and observe and give the person that's you know in the thick of it uh, some guidance and some help. And, you know, we're, we're always, you know, checking quickly, you know, was that good? Should we move on? Things like that. So it turns out for us, it's like, it it alleviates us having to run back and forth from the monitor to set or, um, just all kinds of things that in our minds is just the best way to work. And, uh, it is, we're kind of lucky. Whereas the, the single director is, is just alone and <laughs> has to do everything by themselves. So you've developed a really good shorthand with each other too. I'm, sh- I'm sure. Oh yeah, definitely. So do you do you have? Uh, do each of you feel like you have different strengths when you're directing? Mm-hmm. Like you know, like certain things that you one of you likes to do more than the other, or you're stronger in um, the way you direct certain kinds of scenes over the other. No. What do you think, Carrie? Do we have different strands? Or, I mean, I know we both like doing everything, so we like yeah, collaborating I mean, on every aspect of it. It's not like the, the traditional thing where it's like one person's more techie and one person's more into the performances. It's not, or even I know we've heard like the Cohen brothers, like one's more the writer and one's more the director. Um, it's not like that. Um, because we both we both went to art school, we both took the same classes together, um, so we both kind of have the same education. Um, we also have kind of like just similar, you know, backgrounds and families and things. So it's, um, we, we have, we kind of come up in the same way. So I think we both, we both have a lot of the same influences on things. And so, um, yeah, it's more that unless it's less about like, um, you doing, you do this and you do that and more like the both of us supporting each other, um, and also being able to critique each other and kind of keep each other, um, you know, kind of keep on, uh, pushing it forward and making things better. Um, rather than like dividing it that way. I think that's one of the greatest things about a relationship like this is it's kind of rare in this day and age where you can really be honest and, you know, to the point where we yell at each other and, you know, sometimes really disagree. But in the end, it's the idea that we know that we're both striving for the best it can be. So if we're disagreeing with each other, um, it, it's just in, in, in service of making a great, great project or film or, or whatever we're working on together. And, um, I think nowadays it seems like you're, you know, you're either left or right, you're blue or red. It, you know, it's like there's no middle ground and there's no uh, there's no world where you have a, a, a good discourse or you can disagree, but then come out the other end kind of with a, a, a better um, kind of compromise is like not the best word, but um, just in a better place, I think. Excellent. Excellent. What a wonderful way to work. If you're just tuning in, uh, my guests today are co-directors, uh, Carrie Murnian and Jonathan Malott, and we're talking about their brand new movie, Becky, which is a wonderful th- thriller, uh, and it stars Kevin James and Lulu, uh, Lulu Wilson. 
Um, how was it directing uh, Lulu Wilson in this in this role? I mean, we talked a little bit about her career and what she's like and what kind of an actress. But I mean, this this is intense. So, how was it directing a thirteen year old in this particular um, film? Where there's so much going on. Yeah, intimidating. <laughs> she really it was one of one of our favorite stories or memories of the of the, the whole process was we first, the first day we sat down with Kevin James and Lulu to do a table read. And, um, Kevin James comes in all casual because he's probably done a million table reads and, um, comedy sitcoms. They probably do one for every show and, you know, just really casual you usually and, and fun. And so he comes in and he's got his like, uh, reading glasses up on his forehead and he's just ready for a casual table read. Lulu comes in and she's this, you know, little 13 year old girl, uh, dressed in her kind of punk clothes and you just think it's going to be a nice little casual read through. And Kevin starts and then Lulu comes back with just pure emotional, um, just intensity. And we all just kind of sit up in our chairs. Kevin James brings down his glasses, adjusts, you know, his collar is just like, okay, this is, this is for real. She's, <laughs> even though she's, she's not, she didn't even, she wasn't even trying. She just brings it, you know? So it was that kind of intensity, like right from the start, um, all the way to the first day of shooting where she had to let out the scream when something bad happens to one of her, uh, loved ones. And, Literally, the first day she's on set, she lets out this scream that just shut everyone in the crew up. Everybody turns and stops what they're doing, kind of looks. And again, we're all just, you know, speechless and, you know, really set the tone for how intense she was going to be for, for the rest of the shoot. So, um, but at the same time, she does that scream. You're looking in the monitor and your heart's, uh, you know, pounding and you're almost ready to cry because there's so much pain in her eyes and uh, so much power. And then she, you all cut and she turns around, starts giggling and plays with the dog like there's nothing, um, nothing the matter. So just a, a sincere talent and, um, professional. Wow. Wow. That's really, a, that's an amazing story about her, truly. Uh, yeah. that she has such professionalism at such a young age and that she's able to, uh, step away from that character. I mean, so many actors, as we, we know that, you know, who stay in character throughout the whole, um, filming of a movie, you know, and don't break character, don't even like to break character when they're off the set. So mm-hmm. for her to yeah. be able to jump out of that character because to stay in that character all the time, I think would be, whew, you know, psychologically uh, debilitating after a period of time, I would think. So for her to have that ability to be able to step away and uh, not think anything of it, yeah, that's it, a sign of a really, go ahead. Of a yeah, it's, go it's, ahead. Um, yes, exactly. I think it is a really, and it's, it's interesting for us coming from, like we said, a more design standpoint. So we didn't come up as actors going through theater school um, so when we work, we like to work with actors in the way that they like to work. And we found that there's so many different approaches and techniques and methods. And like you're saying, sometimes actors just get into it and they have to stay in it. And it, and as directors, we have to foster that kind of um, set and make sure that they're comfortable in whatever way that they can get to the, the right place. But it's uh, in a way, it's a little bit easier when it's just they can turn it on like Lulu can, where it's um just go to intensity and then turn it off and i don't think i, I mean I, I couldn't do that and it's so it's so amazing to watch people that can do that cuz it is just a pure talent of of on off switch 
It really is. It is an amazing talent. You've got, talk about, you, you have a background in design. Uh, the cinematographer, uh, Greta Zazula, is that how you say her name? Yeah. And, um, because she did some amazing things in this film. Do you want to talk a little bit about some of the things that you did in order to catch, uh, you know, the perfect, you know, scene? Oh my God. She is amazing. She, she would do anything. Uh, so kind of like the actors, sometimes we had to pull them back a bit where they were just ready to do anything any stunt and, and just go all in and we were lucky to have that kind of commitment across the board but with Greta uh, at least when she did the crazy things we were we had a stunt team and um, a safety team that was always um, on standby to make sure she was for instance cable you know we used the cable uh, attached to a harness to to let her go off the side of a cliff to get a, a certain shot um, she was strapped to the side of an ATV she was you know on top of vehicles and uh, on zip lines and um, right in there with the dogs. And she operated for the most part um, a lot where sometimes the cinematographer will sit back at the monitor and, and kind of look at the whole scene and really focus on the lighting and let the a camera operator do do some of the camera work. But she she did both. Obviously, the, the, the lighting is just really amazing. Um, but she also was operating and she got in there and just um, really manhandled the camera. Um, but one of the things with, with, with her that we love with, with cinematographers that bring a lot to the table is that we had a very clear direction and we had a lot of ideas and pretty much across the board, she would just make that so much better and take it to the next level. And, um, it's just amazing to work with a cinematographer that's willing to, to do what is needed to, to do that, to bring it to the next level. Oh, she really did too. And the proof's in the pudding because it really does stand out. I mean, it, it does. It, again, it just keeps you on the edge of your seat, and that comes from that kind of commitment uh, that she put into it. Also, the music. We've got to talk about your composer. Uh, uh, it's Nima, and you're going to have to tell me how to pronounce her last name. Fakara. I well, well, it's actually it's uh, Nima's Nima's a, a guy, but um, I would need him oh, to, oh, to guy. say it okay, too. Sorry. Yeah, but he yeah he really saved the day. We like to say about him that he, 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 we would give him the most ludicrous, uh, contrasting words. Uh, and this is usually how you describe a tone, uh, words like fun, but horrific. And we're like, okay, now make this scene fun and horrific at the same time. And if somebody said those words to me, I would probably just say, get out of here, shut up. <laughs> but he would be like, oh, that's perfect, great. And he would come back with something that was fun and horrific at the same time. Um, and he... The, he kind of uh, achieved that by using um, really, really unique and um, different types of instruments and sounds, and things that you wouldn't typically think of as going into a, a score for a movie, things like breathing and the sound of toys and other elements that you'd find uh, around the lake house. Um, but he really was able to, to make it so this movie could really find that pace and that tone that we wanted to, which was so difficult, especially because there is these contrasting um, kind of tonal words that we're using to describe it. Um, but yeah, I, I think in the end, uh, we had all the elements together in the edit and we just needed that punctuation of, of the score and he came in and really saved the day. He really did. I, real quick, just tell everybody where they can see this movie. I know you. it opened up and it's been number one. Uh, so tell everybody where they can see Becky. Yeah, it's so exciting. It's actually in a, a bunch of drive-ins kind of all over the place. So try to find it at, at drive-in by you because that's a really fun place to see it. 
or on anywhere you can watch a video on demand, like iTunes, Amazon, Voodoo. Great. Thank you, Carrie and Jonathan. I appreciate your time, and I wish you much success with this movie. People, please go see it. it you'll, you'll have a, it's a fun ride, and uh, as I said, it'll keep you on the edge of your seat. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, thank, you, really appreciate it. thank you. Like The Jam Price Show on Facebook, and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at The Jam Price Show. Also, tell a friend about the show, and you can subscribe to the podcast on iHeart Podcast Network and you can listen to archive shows, past shows on anywhere where you get your podcast. Thank you for listening. On Power Talk AM 1460 and FM 101.1 streaming worldwide on iHeart Radio. Jan Price talks to the movers and shakers in the film business. The Jan Price Show.